0: We had points, points, and some more points. So much offense in week five. Plus, we had teams that scored upsets in week four, finding themselves on the wrong side of the upset. And who are our front runners for the player of the year? Mitch, did I miss anything?
1: Greg, I think you left some points out there. Lots, uh, lots out there this week, so let's get into it. Let's do it.
0: Talking Illinois high school football. If your goals are as high as you talk about, Tonight's a night, you go out and just take one more step. It's a view from the West. And it starts right now! Welcome into View from the West podcast, the podcast covering Illinois high school football on the western side of the state of Illinois. I'm your host, Greg Armstrong, joined as always by the master of Twitter on Friday nights, Mitch, tell me a little bit about your Friday night there was a lot to keep up with on Friday
1: yeah, you know the, the players on the field are are always taught to keep their heads on a swivel. I felt like I had to do the same thing on my phone um <laughs> because there was just there was just so many updates so many touchdowns that were scored on Friday night um i I admit I was a little tired you know by the end of the <laughs> night uh fingers needed to take a break, but uh you know we uh, we had a nice week of action. we always like to see that offense and uh, certainly gives us plenty to talk about here this week.
0: Well, Mitch, I think just to let the viewer or the listeners in, you know, behind the scenes a little bit, you know, we text back and forth on a Friday night when you're doing the the Twitter accounts, yep. you know, you're doing the Twitter updates and I'm walking the sidelines. And at one point, usually, you know, more than I do, because I'm 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 only at one game at a time and you're seeing everything. And yep. you texted tonight is crazy. And I responded with what's happening. And I think all you responded back was so much offense or so many points. That's <laughs> that kind of summed it up. So, yeah. Plenty, plenty of football action to talk about. Mitch, before we jump into everything, we do kind of have, um, you know, some, some, tough, some tough news to talk about. The Pleasant Plains football program from uh, the center part of the state of Illinois, they play in the Sangamo Conference. Scary scene for them on Friday night, or I believe maybe on Saturday. Uh, one of their players, Jaden Wiesenmeyer, suffered a medical emergency on the sideline had to be rushed to the ER. I believe they stopped the game after that happened. A lot of players, fans, everybody shaken up um, with seeing this. He was rushed to the ER like I said where he remains hospitalized. A very scary situation. Certainly we're praying for him and his family and for everyone, you know, involved, you know, praying for the best outcome here. It's just sometimes football takes a back seat, you know, really a lot of people pulling together and really praying for the best possible outcome here.
1: Yeah, this this like you said, this is an unfortunate situation that we, we came across here this weekend. So, um, you know, it, it looks like that that community has really pulled together, multiple communities, not just the Pleasant Plains, but it seems like multiple programs, you know, in their conference, around the state, really pulling together. Um, so we do wanna make a quick note, we just put it on our Twitter feed and we did repost the GoFundMe page for the family um obviously that's not the main concern here but anything that uh you know we can do to help the family out in this time of need we will certainly help uh help do so um looks like again per that gofundme a lot of people pitching in which is great to see our, our thoughts and prayers are with them and the family and that community um and that jaden can pull through
0: yeah absolutely praying for jaden and praying for Everyone involved that, um, you know, we're able to get the best possible outcome here for, for Jaden and for Pleasant Plains. Uh, Mitch, always a tough transition to kind of switch yeah. back to on field. We'll jump into the Western Big Six. We'll start in Rock Island. Rock Island gets the 68 to 35 win over United Township. Yep. The Rocks come out on the winning end of a wild shootout. I feel like we've said that before in the last yeah. few years. Yeah. Rock Island's getting used to winning games like this. They get the win. I also feel like we're getting used to saying Rock Island gets the win behind dynamic play from Quintarian Brooks. Mitch, Mm -hmm. once again, Brooks is all over the field for the Rocks. He is such an impact player for them.
1: Yeah. uh, Seemingly the name that we talk about just about every week for good reason. And this might have been his best game um, and really came uh, not only at a point in the game, um, but also a point in Rocky's season, right? So, and we'll we'll talk about that here. Probably towards the end of the game recap, but just in terms of Friday night, Brooks finished with 332 yards and four touchdowns, um, three of which came on his first five carries in the second half, and most of those he was untouched. Greg, so this was a really um, a really good effort from not only him but and you know I think this is something that head coach uh, Ben Hammer alluded to too. Really got to give credit to the boys up front. They 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 created the holes. Obviously, Brooks doesn't need a lot of room to work to do what he does best. But uh, when the boys up front are making it easy on him, good things are going to happen. And that's certainly what, uh, what happened on Friday.
0: Yeah, well, they're making it, you know, making the job easy easier for Quintarian Brooks. They're also helping out their quarterback. Connor Diulio yeah. had another huge game. He finishes with 271 passing yards, five total touchdowns. Joe Allen finished with 188 yards receiving Mitch, let's kind of go through how this game played out. Cause it seemed like it was close early and yeah. back and forth. And then rock Island really jumped out.
1: It really was. Um, it was kind of tracking this game as it went along. And again, it was one of those, one of those games where <laughs> there was seemingly touchdowns, um, y- you know, multiple touchdowns within just a few minutes of one another. So um, the key point here though, Greg, this was, um, this was later in the game, but, really changed the momentum of how things were going. UT was driving and kind of holding their own with Rocky, but um, Rocky was holding on to a six point lead here over UT and UT was driving the Rocky defense came up huge on a stop fourth and three. It was inside their own 10 yard line. So again, UT knocking on the door there, Rocky gets the the turnover on downs right away. The guy we just talked about that stop sets up Quinterion Brooks, 96 yard touchdown run. Wow. Following that Rocky outscored UT 27, nothing. So you talk about a game changing effort from both sides of the field for Rocky on that one play.
0: Yeah. And I know we, we poke fun. We poke fun at rock Island once in a while for the, the, the points they give up on defense, but man, Mitch, sometimes it just takes that one stop. It takes that one big play to flip the momentum. And when you have, that much offensive firepower, you know, this, the way this game played out, that was what they needed that one big stop. And they were able to go on their run. Talk about, I mean, just a tough luck season for United Township. There's talent there. We've talked a lot about the talent they have on the field, but they just can't seem to put it all together for four quarters. Another well-played game with Matthew Kelly, Johnny Manzo, Corey Randall looked dynamic in this one, had some really Mm -hmm. great plays. He had a kick return for a touchdown. Manzo finished with 220 yards, but just, again, just can't seem to put it together for four quarters. And here we are sitting at 0-5 for United Township that we really had a lot of high hopes for.
1: Yeah, and certainly playing better than that. You know, I thought this yeah. was probably their, their best game that they played all year. Um, and, and again, it's not easy to hang with Rock Island. It's not easy at all. Um, and they certainly did for it for long stretches of this game Um, but but again like you just talked about it all it takes is a stop and Rocky got it at a very you know back-breaking type of you know uh, time of the game where the UT is inside the 10 knocking on the door trying to get a touchdown so not only do they get the stop and then it's a 96 yard touchdown so um, amazing how quickly things change but For for Rocky, a great win. Um, You you know, I think, as as I talked about, this type of game happening at this part of the season, I think is going to help them out with four games left. Um, And again, this was kind of what we've been looking for for Rocky to really put this whole offensive, you know, identity together. We've seen bits and pieces. It really shined on Friday.
0: Yeah. Rock Island has another critical game coming this weekend. We'll see what they can do, see if they can kind of stay right up there in the mix. Let's move along, Mitch. Quincy gets the win, 42-14 to over Galesburg. Weather conditions may have grounded that aerial attack for the Blue Devils just a little bit, but it's the defense that comes up big throughout this one. Quincy gets their fourth win of the year. Brian Douglas added a pair of short yardage touchdowns for the Blue Devils in the first, both coming off Galesburg miscues. But that Silver Street defense would hold their own in this one early. Mitch, this was a close game even up until halftime. Nolan Carl with a pick interception going 99 yards for the pick six for a Galesburg touchdown. The streaks would intercept Little three times on the night. Mitch, this game was close, I think, through halftime.
1: Yeah. yeah. Um, again, you know, we talk about the weather kind of being – maybe just about the only thing that could potentially stop this Quincy offense. Um, But uh, again, they, they found different ways and that's why I think this is pretty encouraging for Quincy, right. Um, For, for as good of a season as Braden little is having um, they found ways to score. And and yeah, they, they, they got some breaks. Um, I think the miscues that you talked about, I think one was a fumble. I think the other was a a high snap on a punt. So, um, but again, those are the things that you need to capitalize on and they did. So Brian Douglas had a couple of touchdowns. Um, He added two more short yardage scores uh, to really break this game open. It got up to 28-7, and then it was the guy that we've talked about a lot, Jarius Rice, 85-yard pick six, and then had a 54-yard touchdown run to really uh, pull this thing away. So, uh, again, when you can take Quincy out of their element, so to speak, um, with with Brain Little and that passing attack, you wonder how they're going to manage and they showed that they can certainly score in multiple ways um, here on, in, uh, in a tough environment. I guess a good, op- a good opponent.
0: Well, they'll have to keep playing well this week. They're going, They're. they're I'm sorry, they're hosting Sterling. So talk about big Sterling one. next. Big and, one. Yeah, very big one. And like we referenced, um, Rock Island will play Galesburg. So yep. let's move along to the team we just referenced. Sterling gets the dominating performance Woo. over rival Geneseo, 40 to nothing. Mitch, I know we knew that the, you know, golden warriors were good, but I don't know if we thought they were 40 to nothing good over Geneseo. This is kind of one of those statement type of wins.
1: Yeah. And that's not saying anything against Sterling either. It's, it's crediting Geneseo with how good that they've been this year. Cause yeah, Yeah. I was not expecting this either. I I was not at all. Um, But just, it was complete domination. It really was. Um, 450 yards of offense for the golden warriors in this one. And again, a, a. Uh, yet another stout defensive effort right yeah he's been been struggling for a year um but Geneseo has played really really well all season so um we talked about it I think in in the the preview last week that we thought that this game was going to be a pretty good battle of really good defenses and early on it was and then it very quickly
0: wasn't yeah let's talk a little bit about it Kale Ryan opened the scoring with a 46-yard touchdown run. We're getting used to saying that this year. Following a Geneseo fumble on the next offensive play, it's then Lance Wren recovers and eventually leads to a J.P. Schilling touchdown. Another phrase we've been familiar with saying this year. That leads to a 14-0 lead. Antonio Tablante gets in on the action just before half. He has a 19-yard touchdown, so it's 21-0 at the half. Schilling, AJ Kested, both had interceptions in the third quarter. Sterling would add three more scores behind Schilling, Ryan, and Kested. Overall, just a really balanced offensive attack for this Sterling Golden Warriors team. 323 yards rushing, 135 yards passing in the win. The defense sets it all up, but Mitch, I'm just really impressed with how many different names we, we talk about making contributions for Sterling's for both for Sterling's offense and for defense. I was going to talk offense, but really it's happening on both sides of the ball. Constantly new names we're hearing that are having an impact.
1: Yeah. Um, and and, you know, I I don't know for sure that Geneseo was, was full strength. I'm not using that as an excuse at all, but I know that they were banged up last week and I, I did not see if they were fully healthy. Um, it would make the win all that more impressive if it was and it certainly doesn't take away from it. If it wasn't, I'm just curious if, if Geneseo had full strength, but yeah, they were held to just six first downs in this game, Greg, 106 total yards in the contest. So um, uh, again, we'll, we'll save what it was and it was a dominating performance by Sterling. Um, a great win sets them up, you know, with the game at Quincy now they have to get through that first, I do think we're, we're getting closer and closer to seeing this really coming down to Sterling and Moline, which I think is in week eight, I believe. So um, which is probably not what we uh, didn't expect to happen at the beginning of the year. Right. Um, But it, it's starting to look again, Sterling at Quincy is going to be a really, really good game, I think. Um, But I also think that this is really going to come down to that week eight matchup.
0: Moline also got the forfeit win over Alliman. Mitch, I don't know if we talked about it last week on the podcast. We certainly talked about it on the Instant Reacts podcast this week. So, you know, that's a natural time to plug our uh to plug our other show. Head over yeah. to our uh podcast feed and find the instant reacts podcast. That comes out every Saturday morning. Sometimes we even post it at about, you know, 1 30 a.m. when I get done editing it or uh, you know, yeah. two in the morning, whenever it is. So right. head over and listen to that. It's it's all kinds of shenanigans and a bit of controlled and uncontrolled chaos with Dazzle and stocking, barking at each other. And yeah. me, me and cuff and Camille just kind of laughing. So, you know, right? if they, if that's, if that's something you're into go check, go check out the Insta reacts podcast, but, but for real, it is, it is a lot of fun. It's a good listen. So let's jump into the slate here coming up next week. The big one Sterling goes on the road to Quincy. You also have Rock Island hosting Galesburg Alleman hosting Geneseo and United Township at Moline. Now I want to reference Stocking called out weeks and weeks ago the upset United Township over Moline. And here's the thing. I I you know, I appreciate Stocking for going out on a limb, but then in the Instant Reacts podcast, he kind of backed off that. Now he's now he's backtracking. It's like, "Yeah, have a backbone, Stock. You already made the prediction, but he's now he's looking at the standings and he's backing off." So,
1: yeah you gotta gotta stick to your convictions here stock um yeah this it,
0: it, it look they could right they they could we've uh, we've the, talked about it all year despite right. the record they still have so much talent like this is yeah. still a good football team
1: right um and, and Moline you know coming off of a of a a bye week you know with with their forfeit win over Alliman. um Uh, again, sometimes you just don't know how teams are going to respond when that happens. That was a, you know, a late addition to the schedule, so to speak. And so it kind of changed their plans in terms of prep and um, you know, whatever it may be. So maybe UT can, you know, uh, take advantage of that. If there's some rust there, I I don't know, but yeah, it it could happen. There's no question. Quincy could knock off Sterling. And then we're talking about a whole new thing on the last three weeks of this season. So Um, yeah this is this is a good slate of games this week Um, because again I think things could happen that change the landscape if things happen maybe the way that we expect them to again we're kind of looking towards that week eight to being what defines the uh, the western big six
0: yeah obviously the game I think we're both looking at is sterling at Quincy we'll talk about that in a second but I do want to reference Rock Island and Galesburg so For Rock Island, you got to stay focused and got to keep playing this good football. Where you're obviously scoring a lot of points, you got to get some stops. Galesburg hung around this last week against Quincy, against a good Quincy team. So interested to see what Galesburg has and if they continue to inch closer to pulling off one of those big six up upsets. But I think for Rock Island, man, if you if you keep doing what you've been doing, putting up the big time points. Maybe you give up a few touchdowns. I think that's okay because you have the offensive firepower to get past it. But um curious to see how that one goes. Mitch, what do you how big of an advantage is it for Quincy to be at home in this one against Sterling moving into that game?
1: I, I would like to see Quincy's passing attack against yeah. Sterling defense, right? Um and on the flip side of that, the the dynamic versatility of Sterling against a pretty stout blue devil defense. Um you know, and uh, we talked about it last week too with the, with the Sterling Geneseo game. There's a lot of, a lot of things that I like, um, in this matchup and it's just, if, if one team can really exploit the other, maybe you do run into a situation where it's, it's a bit of a blowout and maybe not as close as we thought it might be. So, um, yeah, really looking forward to that uh, again. If, if, if Quincy has brain little clicking on all cylinders, all receivers going, um, you know they've got a pretty good path there that would make them playoff eligible. Um, it'll be, it'll make Sterling, uh, either team, will be playoff eligible with the win here. So um, exciting stuff there, um, and uh, yeah, looking forward to it.
0: Yeah, I I think Quincy being that Quincy and Sterling is the farthest road trip in the Big Six, so I think that's a it's a big advantage in a game like this to have that that game at home for Quincy. And I think for as much as we talk about. J.P. Schilling and K.O. Ryan as the quarterback duo. I think it's important to to note that, you know, defensively, those are guys they're going to lean on. If Braden Little is going to be effective, he's going to have to go through those two defensively. They're going to be the guys probably guarding some of the top wide receivers for Quincy. So I think that's kind of an X factor on the defensive side of the ball is actually two of the offensive names that we always give credit to. They'll be playing a role on defense and they'll have to play big.
1: Yeah. I mean, Sterling's defense has only given up 63 points this year. So just about 10 games or 10 points a game. So, uh, you know, the blue devil offense certainly has their work cut out for them. But speaking of that, Sterling has their work cut out for them too. As we look towards their last couple games of the season, they've got Quincy they host rock Island and then they go away to Moline. So, yep. You know, they certainly have, they have been playing fantastic the back-to-back shutouts. Um, They have to continue that trend because this is a pretty hard slate here um, as they wrap up this regular season.
0: Yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll learn a lot. I think this week, you know, after this week, this is one of the games we've kind of had circled for a while as far as teams near the top of the conference. So, Sterling going on the road to Quincy. We'll be talking about that next week uh, th- in this podcast and in the instant reacts, I'm sure. So Mitch, let's jump into the three rivers athletic conference. I spent a little time in the three rivers on Friday night. Yeah. Got my first look at Princeton and Mitch, let me tell you my first look at Princeton this year, and they are as good as advertised. They get yeah. the win over rival Kiwani 56 to seven. A year after Kiwani walked away with the rivalry trophy in the undefeated showdown, Princeton gets their revenge. And Mitch, once again, they leave no doubt in their results this year. They are just rolling through teams.
1: Yeah, this is, this was an amazing thing to kind of keep keep up with on Friday. Um, uh, Again, we know, you know, the struggles that Kiwani has been going through this year. Um, not having the results that they would like to, not certainly not what they were having last year um, as, as co-champions. Um, but yeah, th- this was this was Princeton firing on all cylinders early, often all game. Um, they they opened up the scoring pretty early. C.J. Hickey and Augie Christensen uh, each scored. Uh, Bills a 12 nothing lead in the first, um, and that was considered you know maybe a slow start for Princeton the way they've been playing <laughs> recently. Um, and then they they really got going here. Uh, Noah Laporte, Tegan Davis, they followed suit with scores of their own. Christian then added his second score of the night. Laporte had a 46 yard pick six. Um, and, and not to be even outdone with all of that, just 26 seconds after Laporte's pick six, Ian Morris recovers a fumble in the end zone, and that put up the 50 spot for the Tigers
0: in the first half. Man, just every week they continue to impress me so mitch we had the most points i'm guessing this is according to stocking as i read through this no this is me this okay me. all right we'll okay. go okay. take let credit me, here let, no let me let me back up yeah
1: um i i, I unfortunately i don't know his last name because his twitter handle is kevin h sports editor
0: oh yeah kev yeah kevin hieronymus from uh okay there from you go. The yes. Valley. Yep. Fair so County we Republican.
1: Met, we, we never met. Just know your Twitter handle. He had put together um, a, a cumulative s- series score list, right? Okay, yeah. Um, and so as the points were 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 tallying up, I got curious, wondering what the most points scored in in the the series was. Kiwani holds that record. This was sixty four, I think, in nineteen seventy four or something. Um, but I would have to imagine this is the most points scored in a half. And it was yeah. certainly the, the 56 was the most that Princeton has ever scored in series history. So okay, um, I think this was also the largest victory, margin of victory in the series, which dates back to like 1897 or something. Yeah. Um, crazy. So you know, with the win with the historic win in terms of, you know, series things uh, they take this, or, sorry, they, they extend their series lead. Uh, 63 wins to 57 wins for Kiwani. There have been four ties
0: in the history of the series. Well, Mitch, well done. Great work. I, you know, I start reading that, that stat and I think, ah, oh, that's a stocking gem, but no. Again.
1: Yeah. Again, credit to Kevin on, on compiling the list. I simply was able to read and uh, to put one. in <laughs> there.
0: Well, you you are good at reading Mitch. That's what I appreciate Thank you. about. Yeah. Thank <laughs> you. Yep. All right. Well, in total Augie Christensen ended up with 118 yards and two touchdowns. And as we said, a lot of other names contributing Mitch, I think we'll talk a little bit more about Princeton and the and the way they, you know, what they have moving forward. But again, uh, similar to Sterling, I'm just so impressed with every week. Highlights are of three or four different names. We're yep. always hearing, we're not hearing the same name. We're hearing Tegan Davis quite a bit, but we're not hearing in the highlights the same guy scoring every single touchdown. It's it's spreading the love here, and they're they're all getting a lot of you know quality playing time, and they're all getting a lot of quality results.
1: Yeah. Um, as I'm looking at it here, really looking forward to week seven um, because that could determine the Mississippi division, and it could be a battle of the unbeatens between Princeton and St. Bede. Um, yeah. Now, Princeton is a bigger school. I would, I would still anticipate them to win that game, um, and maybe even handily, just because of the <laughs> way Princeton plays. Um, but the, what I mean is, is that their work is not, you know, done yet. They've got a big game coming up there in week seven. They play Newman this week, which, you know, we've seen Newman play, play well. they played well this week. Um, so Princeton gets playoff eligible here as, as we all expected that they would be. Um, so yeah, the, what they have in front of them is manageable, completely manageable. Certainly there's a high percentage that they do go undefeated, but now I'm looking forward to that week seven game against St. Pete.
0: Yeah. That one should be a lot of fun. That one will be fun. That one will be one we'll be looking for, for sure. Well, let's keep going down the list here, Mitch. We said at the top of the show, a lot of points being scored. One of those yeah. teams putting up some points. How about spring Valley hall getting the Oof. 66 to 45 win over Mendota. There was a little bit of rain out that way as well, but they could not stop 111 points. Between both of these schools. And it certainly couldn't stop Mitch, one of the best players in the Three Rivers. Yeah. We've talked about him this week or this year. How about Hall Senior, playing quarterback, but mainly yeah. the Wildcat, you know, quarterback running back type of situation here? Mac lights up the scoreboard week after week. This yeah. week, though, really, I mean, he's putting up video game numbers here, rushing 429 yards scoring seven touchdowns on 29 rush attempts. That's almost 15 yards a carry. And Mitch, you know, the joke I always like to say that I say those are video game numbers, but I would struggle to do that in a video game to to score that many touchdowns. Yeah, I think he added like 26
1: passing yards too. So,
0: you know, he just does
1: it. Yeah, I don't know if those seven touchdowns were all on the ground because he also does punt returns and kick returns. He he really does all. It could have been a pick six for all I know. It might have been um he's just so good um and he's he's a baseball recruit he's a baseball commit uh, i saw that Hawk, i think so yep. just a dynamic athlete you know um maybe doesn't get as much love as he probably should um but his numbers you know speak for themselves i i, I tallied it up based on the info that we have um if anyone listening could get us the, the stats from the Orion game in week one we didn't have that but from what i have unofficially we're uh, at 861 yards rushing and 15 total touchdowns missing a game. Um, yeah. Where I think, I think Hall had 14 points in that game. So, you know, we might not be talking about a lot of yards and, and maybe only two touchdowns to add to that total, but nonetheless, just a dynamic player. This was probably the performance of the week. <laughs> I mean, and we already talked about Quinterian Brooks, um, just four, like you said, 429, seven touchdowns. Big win for Hall, nice win for Hall. Um, and really, Mendota played well, right? Two really good offenses. Yeah. It's hard, it's hard to, to say, you know, that they put up 45 and didn't play well because they did. So, um, but great win for Hall, nice momentum here. And uh, Resetich player of the year candidate, which we'll, we'll get to later.
0: We'll be talking about player of the year candidates uh, at the end of the show. He is definitely on that list. Mitch, let's jump into one of the bigger upsets of the week. Yeah. Sherrard gets the win 26 to 22 over Morrison. Mitch Morrison's a week removed from an upset win of their own. And Mm -hmm. now they find themselves on the wrong end here of the upset, but credit to Sherrard head coach, Brandon Johnston gets his first win with the tigers. Sherrard comes from behind scores. A last scores, a last minute corner of the end zone touchdown. It's their first win of the season over a Morrison team that had a lot of momentum coming into this one.
1: Yeah. Um, I came into this game thinking Morrison would win um, the way that they had been playing, um, riding a two game win streak, really strong defense, really young offensive team, uh, good, good rushing attack. And I, I still think they played well. I, you know, it's, it's another close game for Morrison. All of their games have been close, um, but all the credit to art in this one they, they came from behind, like you said, um came down to, to the very last couple of minutes. Um, they were trailing by two with, with just under four minutes remaining Tigers put together a nice drive down to the Morrison 11 quarterback, Holland Anderson found Carter Brown right in that right front corner, right by the pylon tiptoes in it, There's a great video that the score had, I think from the AD, is that right? Yeah, I believe so.
0: Okay. And yeah. I don't know if it's the AD himself on the sideline or if somebody else was shooting the video but somebody on the sideline is is just going nuts. I mean, he's just yeah. pumping his fist and jumping up and down. That, Yeah,
1: yeah. I'm guessing he's the AD is the one, and whoever shot it probably sent it to him. But yeah, yeah. it's it's a really cool video. Awesome, awesome pitch and catch. Couldn't Unbelievable catch. Yeah, yeah. Couldn't have been better. Um. So that that put them ahead here. Morrison would drive. I, I think they got down into scoring position, but the the the, uh, the Tiger defense came up. Really big. I think they had a sack and forced a couple incompletions. So really sealed the victory here on the night. Holland Anderson was 14 to 20 for 211 yards, two scores. Kyler Schmidt was his main target with 137 yards Um, for for Morrison. And, you know, this is just kind of giving Morrison credit where it's due. A young team, right? This is a team that's playing really well. This season could still maybe get to five wins. I, I don't know. It'll be close. Um, but only what was it? Four upperclassmen or something like that on Morrison. So four seniors, I believe. Yeah, oops, seniors. Okay, yeah. So this is a young team. Morrison's going to be fine. Um, Logan Baker, one of those guys, will be back. He paced their attack with 145 yards and two scores. But but again, all the credit to Sherrard, Great win uh, on the first one of the season, and and uh, hopefully for for them, first of many.
0: Yeah, credit. You know, congratulations to Brandon Johnston and the players and everybody out in Sherrard. I saw a tweet um, about, you know, bus will arrive in Sherrard at whatever time. Let's get ready to ring the victory bell. Like that's what it's all about, Mitch. Like that's, that's so cool. Like you, you love to see stuff like that and really get some energy and some excitement into a program that's just been hungry for that, you know, for any, any type of positive momentum. So Sherrard certainly excited to get their first win, see if they can build upon it later this year. Let's move along. Newman gets the 27-0 win over Bureau Valley. Comets were in complete control of this one on Friday night. They gained gaining some much-needed confidence with a shutout win. Senior running back Nolan Britt and junior quarterback Carter Rude each had two touchdowns for the Comets. They'll now face probably their biggest test of the year when probably. it comes to Princeton. <laughs> <laughs> yes, probably. Okay. Come yeah probably yeah all right they will play their biggest they will face their biggest test of the year against against princeton so yeah. a defensive effort here against bureau valley but can anyone newman or anyone slow down princeton i think that becomes the question
1: right um probably not first of all. <laughs> Um all
0: right well i guess we can end well,
1: this
0: <laughs> but yeah right
1: no but but if anyone's gonna you know. Um, you know, start to do it. It it could be a team like Newman who has played defense really, really well uh, all season. The problem that they're going to run into is maybe the question is, can anyone keep up with Princeton, right? Yeah. If, if you can, if you can stop them or if you can even score points on that defense, can you maintain their pace? No, (laughs) I'm sorry. No. Um, would be shocked by that, honestly. At, at this point in the season, I, I would be shocked by that, the way that they're playing. But, again, Newman, their, their offense comes alive here. That was something that I've been harking on every week. Um, defense was as stout as it's always been. So, again, as you mentioned, some confidence. They maybe have some plays on offense that they know that they can drive on now and use against this Princeton because they're going to need everything that they can get against the Tigers.
0: Well, how about, how about this for a storyline for Newman? defensive minded head coach Mike LeMay gets his signature win by slowing down the most high powered offense in our area I yeah
1: you're shaking your head yeah the listeners can't see me shaking my head and it's (laughs) uh, again it's just we talk about it with Lee Wynn right um show me right I I, I can't say that they're gonna lose until you show me that they can lose yeah um nothing against Newman Nothing at all against Newman. No, it's just how good Princeton Princeton is. That's it. And and Newman
0: should be used to that. They did it for years. Yeah. yeah.
1: Decades. Yeah. They did it for decades.
0: Yeah. All right. We'll we'll talk a little bit more about that in a few minutes here. Let's get into the games. The rest of the slate from the previous week, Orion gets the 27 to seven win over Erie Profitstown. Orion scored first. They held a 14 to seven halftime lead. They added touchdowns in the third and the fourth quarters They get the win, so with three wins, their playoff outlook's getting a little clearer. The Chargers looking to make it back to the playoffs after missing a year ago. This win certainly helps. Great win, right? Um, Again, maybe one that I wasn't
1: expecting. You know, the way Erie has played, I, I, I think they have a really good... Uh, offense, Jace Grunder. Um, I think he, he scored in this game and any, any time you can stop him, you know, um, you might have a shot. So great win for, for Orient here coming off of their, their bye week so to speak. Um, and you know, you, you kind of look at their season. They, they had a one point loss to Newman in week three, got the, the bye win um, a forfeit win in week four. And now a nice one here over Earring week five. So some momentum there for the Chargers. Nice to see. Um, and they've got a manageable schedule here, Greg. They've got Monmouth Roseville, Morrison, Sherrard, and then a, a big matchup at the end of the year with Rock Ridge. So um, I don't want to jinx them. I do think that they will get to five wins. I do think we'll see them in the playoffs. So um, good start here. I, I think we even might, we might even talk about this. I'd have to look back at the last episode that this was a game that they could win and it would make things easier. It would make their path to the playoffs easier if they did and they went out and did it. So good for the chargers.
0: Yeah. Well, looking ahead, I think they have a really interesting matchup again this week being against Monmouth Roseville. We'll talk about Monmouth Roseville in a minute here, but that becomes, I think almost a must win for Monmouth Roseville. If they want to get into the playoffs so let's talk about Monmouth Roseville. The reason this game becomes a must win is because they fall short to Rock Ridge. Rock Ridge continues to impress this year. They get the 28-14 win over the Titans. They trailed 6-0 for most of the half, but the Rockets, they come through. They remain unbeaten in division play. They're now 4-1 on the season. Alex Zarlatanis found pay dirt from four yards out. That gave the Rockets the first lead of the game with 47 seconds left in the first half. Rockets would extend that lead in the third quarter. Jacob Bain would make it 14 to six. The Titans would run back the ensuing kickoff, get the conversion to tie the game at 14, but the Rockets retakes the lead for good with under a minute left in the third. Jacob Bain finds Cam Bonzac through the air to go up 21-7. Peyton Locke would add an insurance touchdown and the Rockridge defense would limit what Monmouth Roseville could do there on out and they get the 28 14 win. This is a big win for rock Ridge. Yeah. Uh, I feel like rock
1: Ridge is playing the way that I thought Mammoth Roseville would play this year. Right. I can see that. Um, yeah. I, could see that. I, I thought that rock, I knew rock Ridge was bringing back players. Um, but I, I also knew what they lost. So this is a huge credit to that team. Um, you know, lock Zoltanus they're all playing really, really well. Um, so yeah, I, I, I've continued to press. I, I add, you know, they keep moving up in my rankings in the state rankings every week. So great win for, for Rock Ridge here. And, and like you said, now with with Monmouth Roseville, it gets a little bit harder to, to kind of, you know, they're, they're three and three now counting their, their forfeit win coming up. Um, they could, they could get there, right. They could get, yep. there. I think, I think next week, is their must-win game, <laughs> so you have Orient and Rosal kind of in that same predicament where they're both in must-win situations. So that's a pretty key matchup here for both teams' uh, playoff uh, perspectives. Um, for for Rock Ridge, again four and one on the season, I think they could probably win out and go eight and one going into there's, the There's,
0: I think there's potential there. I was gonna say there's games that if they're playing well, I think there's chance they could run the table. It's not easy. But what I really like about Rock Ridge is that they put up some big time points against Erie Profitstown, but then in their other wins, their impressive wins, they only allowed one touchdown on special teams to Newman. And then in this one, they only allowed 14 points to Monmouth Roseville. So I just think that those teams are both capable, especially Monmouth Roseville, we think is capable of putting up some points and Rock Ridge limited what they could do. I think this Rockridge team, they're pretty balanced. They, they can beat you offensively and put up some points, and they can shut you down on defense, too.
1: Here's some math for you, Greg.
0: Oh, hey, you're good at reading and you're good at math? Holy cow, yeah, man. Right.
1: I, I really did well in grade school. Um, <laughs> Rockridge leads the Rock in points allowed with 82, right? Okay. How, many, how much did they let up week one?
0: Yeah, they gave up uh 40, 41 to Princeton forty one
1: right yep in the four games since then they've given up forty one points so oh,
0: wow yeah there you go
1: so yeah there's there's your math facts for the day um I just added it up and thought that was kind of kind of cool that you know they and again that, that Princeton game they they played Princeton better than anyone else and again it yeah. kind of goes back to the Princeton talking point of can anyone keep up with them yeah not yet. Rockridge yep. probably put up the best effort against them, but yeah, put a 41 in week one. They've let up the same amount in the last four weeks. So good. That's for, good for, Rock, good for and, Rock Ridge.
0: and when you really start considering the fact that the 21 points that they gave up to Erie profits I don't know that that game was ever really in question by the end. I mean, I think you
1: are right on that. There could have been some, some late, uh, some late scoring there. Um, but nonetheless, um, again, a great win here for Rock Ridge. Season long effort that they that they've been doing. And again, I think that they have a pretty good path of being eight and one at the end of the year and, and potentially being the rock champs.
0: Yep. Well, let's look into next week's action. Bureau Valley is on the road at St. Bede. St. Bede got the four foot win last week over Riverdale. Princeton will go on the road to Sterling Newman. We have Spring Valley Hall at Kiwani, Monmouth Roseville at Orion. Morrison at Rock Ridge, Mendota at Sherrard, and Harvard coming to Erie Profitstown. So a non-conference game for the Panthers uh, in Profitstown there. Mitch, we kind of already broke it down, but I think the big one is is Princeton and Sterling Newman. I think we've we've analyzed, we've debated that one a lot. I think it it's the biggest test for Newman's defense. We'll see what they can do in this one. Yeah, I think in terms of maybe season outlook we kind of talked about it
1: a second ago it's that monmouth roseville Orion game right yeah kind of a must win for both teams um to, to get a better shot at that fourth win and getting into the playoffs so really looking at that one um you know can Morrison bounce back against Rock Ridge to try and get their playoff picture a little bit clearer so I think there's a lot of games in here that that aren't maybe as as high profile as Princeton Newman but have really big implications, maybe none more than Monmouth Roseville at Orion.
0: Yep. So that's the week that is for the Three Rivers. We will move into the Lincoln Trail Conference. Mitch, the game that was, uh, you know, kind of the top marquee for the Lincoln Trail, Mercer County gets the 48 to 28 win over Rova Williamsfield. Rova started this game quickly behind the arm of Riley Danner, a 58-yard pass to Lewis Sams. That set up a seven-yard touchdown pass to Jack Godsell. It was a seven-nothing lead early. From there, it was Mercer County. A lot of Mercer County touchdowns. The Golden Eagles respond. Junior quarterback Colby Cox, who continues to look good, he finds Brecken Heinrichs. I believe it was Heinrich's first catch of the year. A seven-yard, seven-yard touchdown to put Mercer County up eight to seven. Owen Relander would score three more times in the quarter. Matthew Lucas would add another to extend Mercer County's lead. That was 40 to 14 at the half. Mitch, talk about Colby Cox. He is, Mm -hmm. he is putting up some big time numbers here. Yeah.
1: I mean, uh, eye popping performance last week with 305 rushing yards, right? 350,
0: Uh, I believe the 350. what did I say? You said 305. (laughs) Let's give him an extra 45 yards. All right. Run run the tape back. Yeah. 350. (laughs) Um,
1: which again is, is amazing. And then comes back the next week and he's nine to 14 for 142 yards and three scores. Um, on another rush touchdown and might as well have added in an inter- interception on the defensive side too. So, um, yeah, Kobe Cox continues to have a really good year for Mercer County, who as a whole is having a really good year, tough rope team here, really good offense. Uh, for the Cougars, QB Riley Danner continues his good start to the season. He was 15 to 13 for 245 and a touchdown. Um, so, yeah, this is a great win for Mercer County, I think, as they continue to try and get back to that upper echelon of the LTC. Not that they haven't been there, but uh, maybe I, I should say trying to get that title back. Uh, they'll have um, a, a hard road ahead, you know, but this was a great win, good test for them, and they came in on top early uh, to set the tone.
0: Yeah, this Mercer County team, they're, you know, they've already lost to Knoxville earlier this year. So they're yep. kind of pacing Knoxville, trying to keep pace, see if they can hang around near the top of the standings and pending an upset, they end up, you know, at the top. But this is a good win for that program. Mitch, we talked about Colby Cox, but there's another good quarterback for Rovan Williams Field and we're not sleeping on him, but
1: yeah, we put, we,
0: know out, we put out our player of the year candidates and he fell just short of, of, the, of the top four. Twitter only allows four in their polls. Danner didn't make the cut, but maybe maybe he has a case for it. It looks like Danner is forty-five
1: of sixty-seven for seven hundred and fourteen yards this year with seven touchdowns. So okay, there yeah, we go. Yeah, nothing to to block at. A lot of good players on this team. We got stats for for uh, some key players here. So again, we took some heat for this. Um, I saw it. You know, we 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 are certainly uh, always tracking the, the Twitter sphere. So saw some heat from Rova. We totally get it. Um, no disrespect to you. And, uh, we we certainly anticipate your whole team putting up really good numbers, certainly with Riley Danner with the way he started. So, um, yeah, so I I hope there was (laughs) no offense taken there. Uh, but we were limited in terms of, uh, of how many people we could put on the poll.
0: So in this same game, then it was, it was, uh, you know, Kobe Cox going up against Danner, so far Colby Cox has 667 yards and 9 touchdowns. He yeah. also he has also rushed for 357 <laughs> yards. So with four touchdowns on the ground. So I would say yeah, between him and Danner it's very close.
1: Yeah, it's it's kind of like you know, ranking your favorite football movies, right? You know, you could have <laughs> your top 10 and five through ten are really good they're just not top four right in terms of what you know what you're thinking so a lot of good players in the ltc right it's not just it's not just yep. or at five spot or, or whatever it is a lot of good players this year in the ltc so looking forward to the second half uh don't hate us we did we didn't mean it in any sort of way um if we had uh if we had more than four options we would have had more players so uh keep doing what you're doing there in rova and uh, we look forward to seeing it
0: Mitch, what's your favorite football movie?
1: Is it Rudy? Oh, see, no, see, I said that without even thinking it. Um,
0: <laughs> it's not Rudy. You're a Notre Dame guy.
1: I know it's it's fine. um <laughs> I put you on the spot. I'm on the spot. I'm trying to think, but I don't again see this this was my point, right? Yeah, <laughs> you have so many you can't just pick a couple and it if I gave you my top one, I would think in an hour it's something different and I'd have to text you about it. So, all right. All right. Let me, let me tell you this. I, this is, this was a story from back in the day, every, every Friday home game, right. At Morrison, there was one of my teammates. He lived like adjacent to the school. Okay. So we would have after, after school, we would do a pregame there where like parents would have meals, things like that. Every single home game, I don't remember if that came out my junior year or my senior year. I don't remember. Um, so this could have lasted two years. I, I, I honestly don't remember. Every single home game, we would watch Friday Night Lights. Every single home game. Okay. Friday yeah. Um, by the time the move, by the time we got there after school, by the time the move we got over, it would be time to just to walk to the field and watch the, the JV game. But um, yeah, that was that's up there. I mean, you know, it, it's up there in probably okay. everyone's list. But we. Yeah. I'll just say that now that because we watched it before every single home game um, in high school.
0: Uh, I will say I like Friday Night Lights, the show better than the movie. You know, that- there
1: there are some inconsistencies with the movie. If you knew the history, if you've read the book, you know, there's, okay, there's yeah. inconsistencies. There's there's some made for Hollywood drama in there. I don't think okay. it takes away from the, the movie, but it's not how it happened in real life either.
0: All right. Well, it's uh, we'll have the movie podcast sometime down the road. But uh, that's a good, that's a great idea. Way, a, yeah, do that because I, I still, I'm gonna rack my head the rest of this episode, <laughs> and I'm, I'm probably not
1: gonna come up with my favorite football movie. All
0: right, Anawan Weathersfield gets the twenty-seven to nothing win over A Town. So nice bounce back win. They cruise to a comfortable win over a struggling A Town team. But they have a big LTC test coming in Week Six. We'll talk about that in a minute. Stark County also gets a shutout win. They win over United 33 to nothing. Mitch, the Rebels are knocking on the door of the playoffs. They improved to yeah. 4 and 1 behind the dynamic duo of Luke Rewards and, and Daniel Kaiser. Rewards had four touchdowns, two rushing, two passing, both to Kaiser. Kaiser also added his sixth interception of the season. And this stout Rebel defense continues to get the job done. Really impressed with what this. Stark County team is doing you know they're they're flipping the script they're kind of changing the narrative out there because it's it seems like it's been a while since they've been in the playoffs for a program that was a perennial playoff team
1: yeah a team that we talked about at the beginning of the year where we thought that they would have a better record than they did last year they were one and eight last year Greg so yeah um, this is this is a complete turnaround this is a great team um Luke Rewards as you said is having a really great year um, no offense to Rova. He did make that final four. <laughs> <for his laughs> of the year. Uh, but, but again, you, you see games like this and you, you don't have to explain yourself as to why he was included. So, um, yeah, a great, great game here. Great win for Stark County. Bit of a tougher road for them. Right. Um, and maybe this is, <laughs> this is where Rova can extract some <laughs> avenge at our expense. Um, a big game for, for Rova and Stark County here in week six. And then Stark County has to play a W and Mercer County still. So we talked about with the Orion uh, game um, in the track, I think this game with Stark County and Rova is a must win for both teams too, for their uh, perspective or for their playoff, uh, you know, prospectuses, so to speak.
0: Yep, yep. Well, we'll talk a little bit more about the upcoming slate in a minute here. Princeville gets the 52 to six win over Lewiston. Prince's snap a two game skid with the big win. Also, maybe the, the game of the week, one of the most intriguing games of this last week was Dupec getting the 16 to seven win over Knoxville. Yeah. Obviously, that this will help us transition into the NUIC in a minute here. But Knoxville falls short to Dupec. Mitch, this was a fun game to watch. It was a yeah. it was a battle. It was what we kind of expected out of these two teams coming in.
1: Yeah, this, this is yeah, this is a great non-conference game, right? This this is two of the best teams that we cover. Um, and so we always get excited when we have the opportunity to, to, you know, see games like this because they don't come across that often. So one of the best teams in three, A against one of the best teams in two A, Right. So, um, yeah, really, really nice, nice game here. Um, gritty win for, for Dupec.
0: Yeah. So a pair of second half touchdowns pushed the Rivermen to the win over two, a sixth rank of the blue bullets. It was a defensive battle, like we referenced on Saturday. Knoxville's Jaden Jackson Johnson broke into the end zone first with a one-yard touchdown score in the second quarter. The Blue Bullets would lead 7-0 at halftime. Riverman would respond early in the third, marching downfield, capping off a touchdown or capping off a drive with an AJ Mulcahy direct snap, touchdown run. But Mitch, here is the play of the game. I was actually yeah. watching this game, uh, live streamed on Saturday leading eight, six with under eight minutes left to play driving downfield following a Knoxville turnover. The Rivermen roll the dice. They have a fake punt on a fourth and 10 near midfield. They convert it to extend the drive. Then it's Mulcahy taking over from there. The ensuing Riverman drive ends with his second touchdown of the game. He would later seal the victory with an interception just a great win. Man, a gutsy call. I don't know what yeah. Coach Hoffman saw maybe, you know, as the play was, as the game was developing, but, or maybe he just kind of knew or trusted his players to make that play. But fourth and 10 at midfield, yeah. and you go for it and get it on that. that. That's a great call. Yeah,
1: that's that's what it takes, right? To to win these type of games. So you, you roll the dice and you, you take your chances. So it worked out for the Riverman in this one just a, again a great win a great game between two really good teams um it doesn't hurt knoxville season in in my estimation at all nope. um, I, I think they're they're gonna get better from this I, I, I haven't looked at their upcoming schedule just yet so yeah not much you can say two really good teams one team had to come out on top and it was dupeck in this one
0: yeah the only uh you know disappointment out of this game for Dupac was that quarterback Cooper Hoffman did limp off early in the second quarter, no status on him moving forward. He was replaced by Will Howard. They were still able to get the job done Yeah. on the Knoxville side of things. You're right, Mitch. It's kind of the phrase we use. Some of these non-conference games, everything is still in front of Knoxville, right? They, yep. the in conference play they're still undefeated. So they yep. control, they control their own destiny moving forward. So speaking of that, that moving forward, they have a big one this week. Anawan Weathersfield will be hosting Knoxville. You have a town hosting Princeville. You have United hosting Walther Christian in a non-conference game. Princeville is at Mercer County. And one you referenced earlier, Mitch, maybe the most interesting conference game of the slate, Rova Williams field at Stark County. That Mm -hmm. one seems like almost a must win at this point for the teams eyeing the playoffs in, in both of these programs.
1: Yeah, I, I, I like you said, that, that's maybe the most I don't want to say impactful because I think Anna Weathersfield at Knoxville kind of fits that billet too. Um, but I think Annawan Weathersfield and Knoxville will both make the playoffs regardless. Whereas in Rova and Stark County, I think like you like you kind of alluded to, the winner of this one has a much easier path than the loser of this one. So uh really looking forward to that. Two really good teams. Um, two really good. You know, offenses, two really good defenses playing against each other. So um, yeah, that one's a toss-up in my book, honestly.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that. I think it's a toss-up game and it's an important one because when you start looking down the way, Rova Williamsfield still has Annawan Weathersfield and Knoxville left on their schedule. Yeah, right. Stark County still has Anna Weathersfield and Mercer County left on their schedule as two right. of their remaining games. So yeah, this one became becomes really important.
1: Yeah, so probably both teams looking around that five win mark on the year. And so they got it. One of them's got to win this one. So, yep. yeah, I'm really, really looking forward to this game here this weekend.
0: Yep. Well, let's move into the Northwest upstate Illini. Mitch, the game that stood out in that conference, maybe one of the games that stood out around the state Lena Winslow, the top ranked team in class 1A, and a Fulton team that Kyle Kampmeyer thinks may be the second-best 1A team in the, state right. of Illinois, in the state of Illinois. That's high praise, and, and they they certainly deserve that praise. They do fall a little bit short in this one. Lena Winslow continues to kind of prove how good of a football team they are, how good of a program they are. They get the 54-32 to 32 win. This was a top-10 showdown, and it lived up to the billing in the first half. Fulton grabbed momentum early. Dykstra to Damehoff on a 37-yard touchdown to go up 6-0. Gage Dunker then responds for Lena Winslow, 43 yards and a touchdown that made it 8-6. The two teams would trade touchdowns back and forth in the first half, each scoring three times. The Panthers would hold the 24-19 lead at the break. But Mitch, the second half, it's kind of like what we talked about with Princeton, is how do you keep up with them? Lena Winslow then goes on to score touchdowns from Dunker, Lobdell, and Zeal to break this one open, again, like what we talked about with Princeton, it's different names getting the job done. It's, it's Dunker, then it's Gunnar Lobdell, then it's Jake Zeal. Just so many weapons for this Lena Winslow-Panther team. They end up coming away with the win. But still, a great effort from Fulton, and I still think they're a great football team as well.
1: Oh, yeah, no question about it. I think after that halftime lead, I think Lena scored 30 unanswered. I think this one was 54 to 19 at one point. So, yeah. And, and again, so credit the Fulton for coming back because they, they're no quit in that team at all. Um, talk to, talk to the people up there that I know they, they were really impressed by Fulton's effort here. They were well-prepared for it too, um, as Lee Wynn always is. So yeah, this doesn't, I don't think this affects Fulton's um, season outlook from a, from a playoff perspective, right? Maybe not, win the conference this year, depending on what happens the rest of the way out. But I still think they're going to be a perennial team in that 1A playoff when it comes down to it.
0: Mitch, that 1A top 10 is really <laughs> fun. When, <laughs> you, when you start looking through it, you got Lena Winslow up there. You got Fulton up there. St. Bede, who we've been really impressed with, when you consider they'll be playing, they'll be playing 1A playoff football, but they've been playing a bigger schedule in the Three Rivers. See right. how they stack up. You yep. still have Ridgeview Lexington, who is really good finalist, who's really yep. good this year again. So just a lot of good football. Hey, can we talk about my Marquette Crusaders? They fall short last week to Chicago yeah. Hope or to uh, Hope Academy yeah. out of right. Chicago. Those two teams, Marquette and Hope Academy, both in the top ten. So just Athens, a lot. Athens, Athens, Athens in there Tuscola had a nice win. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, in, in a
1: couple of weeks, when we, when we talk about that bracket, I think we're going to see matchups that we would hope were later in the, in the season or, or yep. later in the playoffs. Right. We're going to see quarterfinal matchups in the first round, I think, because there are so many good one eight teams. And, and again, we've, we've, we've hammered this before the way that playoffs are paired. <laughs> um, whereas if if it was different, if it was one through 32 this year, it would be amazing. Right. So we're unfortunately going to see those really good matchups in the first round. And we're going to see really good teams fall early, but um, yeah, uh, we got time to sort that out. Um, it, so back, to, back to what we were talking about. Great win for Lee win uh, great effort by Fulton. And I think that they'll continue to play well the rest of the year.
0: Yeah. I mean, win or lose the good news for Fulton is why did they come to the Northwest upstate Illini to be challenged in games like this in, in yeah. a regular season like this? They're getting challenged. They fell short in this one, but they're also winning some big games like they did against yeah. Dupec.
1: So, right, right. Beat Dupec. Yep. So. so,
0: I think they've challenged themselves in this conference and that that is only a good thing moving forward for them. Yep. Well, Mitch, we talked about Morrison getting an upset win a week ago and then falling short to Sherrard. Man, another another upset team from a week ago. Dakota now falls yep. short to Eastland Pearl City 40 to 36. So, credit to EPC. They were winless going into this one. Yeah. And they knock off a Dakota team riding a lot of momentum. Carson Heron for Eastland-Pearl City, 259 yards passing, 37 yards rushing, five total touchdowns. So, Mitch, this Eastland-Pearl City quarterback getting it done through the air, putting up 259 yards, five total touchdowns.
1: Yeah, a really um, a pretty – I don't want to be too harsh on – the folks in Lanark, but kind of an anemic offense, right? Prior to this game, they had, again, quick math here, 33 points scored on the season prior to this game. Wow, really? So yeah. I, I And I don't, you know, I don't know that it was a letdown game for Dakota coming off that. That That's not the type of program that they are. Um, it could have just been one of those weeks, right? That the, the right team at the right time came away with the win. So um, maybe for EPC in the, in the Cats with a K and a Z, Uh everything everything kind of came together. This was a game that on on Friday as 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 Kyle was updating the scores from NUIC football, kind of you know, applying the eye emojis to it and just kind of keeping our eyes on it. And it did go back and forth up until the end. I think Dakota took a late lead. And I thought, oh, okay, you know, all is well. And then right at the end, again I don't know how it happened, but um great, great program win for EPC. You know, I remember in my day, they were always a really, really good program. So um good to see them get this win. Hopefully have some momentum. Um, some some games that they could win coming up here. Galena, West Carroll their the next two games. So I can see EPC making a run here if they can play the way that they did against Dakota.
0: Yeah, we'll see if they can take this momentum and, and keep building on it. Uh Forreston gets the bounce back win 46 to 14 over Galena. So the Cardinals, after falling to Dakota a week ago, they run up a 38 to nothing lead at halftime to pull away with this one. So Man, it's almost like if you're if you're Galena, you just ran into a mad Forreston team at the wrong yeah. time. I think yep. <laughs> yep. the usual cast doing the job for the Cardinals, they rack up three hundred and thirty four yards in the first half, Mitch, in the yep. first half. Johnny sounds like, Cobbler. Sounds Johnny, like them. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Johnny Cobbler, Caleb Sanders, McKee and Crace all scored for the Cardinals. Mitch. They face West Carroll next week. We'll talk about the upcoming slate here, but they really have a murderer's row of one, a football coming up.
1: Yeah, we me, you and Kyle kind of talked about this today when I, when I saw this on their schedule. So West Carroll should be a very winnable game for Forreston. Um, that'll get them to four, but then they've got to win one between Fulton Gibson city, Melvin Sibley and Lena. So um yeah, that is a very, very daunting task that they'll have to win. One of I imagine that that'll be probably GCMS that they'll win, but then you're you're let, let's let's just say that that's what happens, right? They they beat uh, West Carroll, fall to Fulton, beat GCMS, lose yeah. to Lena. They're five and four, right? Being five and four in the one A playoffs is not a place you want to be, right? They, you know, because you're probably you're probably facing Lena, Lena Winslow again. You're yeah, facing Lena again, the same thing that happened last year. So yeah, uh, but that being said, with as good as that slate of games is, this was a nice nice bounce back for Forson. They proved last year that they can beat Lena Winslow. So again, can, can they can they get this next week against West Carroll again? You know, shore everything up that they might have been missing throughout the season and hit these last three games hard because they'll have to win at least one and
0: really getting a second one in there will only help their cause. Yep. So their their opponent next week, West Carroll, they fell to Stockton. Stockton gets the big win, 64-8. to eight. So looking ahead at the NUIC coming up here in week number six, Dupec is at Dakota, Forreston at West Carroll, like we referenced, Fulton hosting Stockton, Galena hosting Eastland, Pearl City, and Lena Winslow hosting Woodstock Marion. Mitch, that is a really interesting non-conference game.
1: Yeah. Um, a, a traditional pretty good power, right. In, um, uh, in, in Woodstock, they're two and three on the year. Um, they are independent. So they, they play, uh, you know, kind of a, a cavalcade of, of different opponents. So, um, you know, we saw this last year with Lena playing, you know, a, uh, their their out of conference game is usually a pretty unique opponent so um, yeah looking forward to seeing them stepping outside of the conference and playing a team that they're not you know well accustomed to but uh, traditionally the hurricanes there um traditionally a pretty good program in a much bigger school
0: well yeah a bigger school their enrollment's 557 according to the IHSA but the teams they've played this year yeah i was just looking at that they played Wheaton Academy who is 655 enrollment. They're 5-0 and on the season. They also played Chicago's St. Patrick. Mitch, they have fantastic uniforms, by the way. The best. We, we looked the best. up their uniforms over the weekend, yeah, this week. Great uniforms. But that's a team that's over 1,000 enrollment. They played Sterling High School in the playoffs last year. So yep. you start putting that in context, that a team that played in the playoffs against Sterling in class, I believe would what was 5A is now playing Lena Winslow. So credit to the Panthers. I and mean, this is a, yeah. it's a huge game, you know, a huge win or a huge game potentially would be a huge win for them. It'll be a tough test on the road or uh, they're at home. It'll be a, t- a tough test either way.
1: Right. Yeah. This, this is, but again, the type of test that maybe they need, right. Um, Fulton was a great test, but they need to continue to do that with, what the 1A playoffs is going to have in store for Lena, which by the way, with the win, they are now playoff eligible as if that's any sort of surprise. Um, so yeah, looking forward to that, to seeing how they stack up and uh, if they can continue to to do what they have been doing against every team, against a, a much bigger opponent.
0: Yeah. Um, you know, look to see if Fulton can bounce back against Stockton. And then I'm interested to see, does Dakota have what it takes to bounce back and get another big win like they did a couple weeks ago against Forreston. Can they knock off Dupec? Dupec's got to come to their place. That would be a a statement win for Dakota. If they can get back into the win column, that would be an interesting one as well. Well, let's move into the eight man ranks, Mitch. The big one that stuck out to me, Decatur Lutheran gets the win over Milledgeville, 58 to 56. This was a matchup of top five teams in the eight man division around the state and Mitch we've said it before about other matchups but could this potentially have been a state championship preview
1: yeah it, it certainly could add Decatur to the list of teams that we seemingly add to every week of yeah of teams that we we like um matchups that we want to see rematches of this was a great game um just back and forth two really really good offenses here so um, yeah, could Decatur maybe take the top spot in, in the updated rankings. Maybe uh, I think Cisna Park probably probably takes that. I, I think um, but yeah, a great game uh, yet another great game in eight-man football.
0: Yeah speaking of Milford Cisna Park, they got the win over Alden Hebron 48 to 20. So they remain unbeaten. A few other scores from around the eight-man ranks. River Ridge gets the 52 to 28 win over Christian life. Ridgewood gets the 38 32 win over Aquin. Nice Polo, Polo knocks off previously unbeaten Kirkwood Hiawatha 44 32. And Amboy gets the big win 44 nothing over Orangeville. Yeah. So Mitch, let's move into what we have coming up. Interesting matchup here. Kirkwood Hiawatha, who we just referenced, who just had their first loss of the season, they go on the road to Amboy. Aquin is at West Central. Mitch, this West Central Heat team continues to impress as well. Yeah. See if they can continue to play. They are undefeated right now, sitting at 5 yep. And 0. Yep. You have Alden Hebron at River Ridge. Milf- uh, Milledgeville will get the forfeit win over Harvest Christian. Rockford Christian Life at Orangeville. Polo at Bushnell Prairie City. Peoria Heights at Ridgewood. Peor- West Prairie at Galva and South Beloit at Ashton Franklin Center. So a few matchups that stand out to me. Can Amboy continue to look good? They'll go up against a tough test in Kirkwood, Hiawatha, who I'm sure is hungry to get back in the win column after falling short this past week. West Central, can they continue to get the job done? This one will be an interesting crossover with Aquin.
1: Yeah, a lot, a lot of good matchups here this week. Yet again, in eight man, really looking forward to that. Um, well, now that I'm looking at the list here, trying to to, to pick my favorite here. Yeah. I, I think Hiawatha and Amboy will have big implications for this, for the playoffs, right? Yep. That's the one um, that stood
0: out to me too. Yep.
1: Yeah. Am- Amboy dealing with some injuries there. How can they respond? Obviously they had a nice win against Orangeville this week, but Hiawatha is a really good program. Um, so yeah. Um, looking forward to this really, really going back to the, what you, the, uh, sorry, the, uh, results really been impressed with Ridgewood this year, right? Yeah. Their first yep. year in eight man. Um, they're sitting at four and one. They're probably going to beat Peoria Heights. So um, credit, credit to them. Always a tough transition. Never easy to beat Aquin either. So nice win for Ridgewood. And uh, I anticipate them to have a continued uh, good season and uh, to see them in the
0: playoffs. Yep. That's a team that I've been interested to follow as well. Well, Mitch, that's a look at everything. But before we wrap up this week, we put out on Twitter. We put out the poll to oh see boy. who are the who are the front runner in each conference for our Player of the Year. So, yeah. Mitch, if we're if we're gonna give out our uh, you know Heisman Trophy at the end of the year, we'll give our Player of the Year for each conference, and then we'll give the overall Player of the Year from the view from the West area. Last year it was Mari Roby. This year we yeah. put out the polls to see who's kind of that front runner so far. Well, let's run down the list here in the Western Big Six. We had Riley Fuller, Quintarian Brooks, Braden Little, and then a combination of Kale Ryan or J.P. Schilling for Sterling. Yeah. I just felt like it was too hard to separate those quarterbacks, Right. So I, I left them together for right now. But according to the Twitter, the Twitterverse, Riley Fuller, the Moline running back, right now with forty-two percent of the vote, is leading the way. He is the he is the front runner. Uh, depending on how the season plays out, uh, it's tough. I mean, him or Braden Little has looked really impressive. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously the quarterbacks from Sterling and, and obviously I've just named all of them now, Quintarian Brooks as well. I think it depends on who wins down the stretch to see where that, where the title lies. Right.
1: Yeah. Um, and first credit to um, the, the listeners. Right. Um the, the Western Big Six especially got uh, a lot of response here, right? Over 700 so, votes. Wow, look at that! So, yeah, um, who, who's second? Riley Fuller.
0: Who's who's second in voting? Second at 23% would be Quintarian Brooks. Okay, okay, that mm-hmm. I, it's tough. I, I just started per, looking.
1: Okay, yeah, I I don't know what our what our uh, followership is in Quincy because I think Brayton Little still flies under the radar in terms of how good he is um and certainly gonna be he's a sophomore we're gonna be talking yeah. about him for the next couple years so um if, if this isn't his year he's hes gonna be in this conversation i think but um if if i voted honestly i don't even remember if i did i think i would probably <laughs> give fuller fuller the edge here just with the performances that he's had obviously molines at, at the you know the top of the conference standing so far so um been really impressed with him this season and, and again like we've talked about w- with Moline maybe had a little bit of a change in offensive identity from what they were last year and more of a passing attack. So um, makes what Fuller has been doing even that more impressive now that he's kind of the spotlight player. So um, yeah, you, you can't go wrong. So it, it makes complete sense that Fuller is in the lead. You can make a case for any of them.
0: Yep. I would agree with that. I think it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Let's move into the three rivers athletic conference, the front runner for conference player of the year out there. I think maybe preseason we thought, Oh, it's Tegan Davis. No question about it. Yeah. He has the commanding lead, according to okay. Twitter. He has okay. the 53% He has 53% of the vote. But, Mitch, I don't think you can sleep on John Brady or Mac Resetic. just he just put up seven touchdowns for Spring Valley Hall this week, and John right. Brady scoring about four or five touchdowns per game each week. So I think the difference is, Greg, is that
1: Tegan Davis does it in a half. Yeah, i I, honestly right all right yeah that's that's what we're talking about with princeton what would their numbers be like if they were playing full games right because they they don't um you know i i don't know at what point in the game that coach pearson makes the switch and plays the younger guys but uh certainly that offense kind of probably goes down into a shutdown mode (laughs) right a little bit yeah um so i i think that if and i haven't seen tegan's numbers this year so to speak i guess um but again, I would always put that with a caveat because let's see how many quarters he's played, right? So um makes complete sense to me for Tegan Davis to be the lead here. Um I've I've been high on on John Brady and Pruce St. Bede. So um I think his his performance might be more. I don't want to say impactful because Mac is probably the most impactful. But John Brady, you know, with Pruce St. Bede, again losing some star players from last year. He's really, really stepped up for them and uh, got them into the position that they are now with their four and no, they're five and oh. So yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, again, uh, another conference where these, these are really hard selections to put into four and you can't, you can't go wrong with any of them.
0: Well, we'll see the, uh, the matchup between John Brady and Tegan Davis coming up in, uh, in a week or two, I believe. So I think it was week seven. Yeah. Okay. Well, in the Lincoln trail conference, Potential player of the year candidates. We have Luke Rewords from Stark County. You have Colby Cox from Mercer County at quarterback. You have Bo Honeycutt, also a quarterback from Knoxville. And you have Zeb Rashid from Anwan Weathersfield, who's a running back. And Mitch, we did not mention Riley Danner. And yeah. he was maybe a little maybe that's controversial. We didn't get him on the list. He yeah. has also put up great numbers. Honorable mention for the go. moment. There you go. And it's no saying that he can't get back into this uh, into this competition. For right now, leading the way, Mercer County's Colby Cox with thirty-two percent of the vote. Rashid, or I'm sorry, Luke Rewards for Star County at twenty-six yeah. percent. Rashid at twenty-three percent. Bo Honeycutt at nineteen. So this is our closest vote. Yeah, very a very tight uh, voting here with right around three hundred votes from the,
1: okay. from
0: the Lincoln Trail. So okay, that yeah, one's a close um, one.
1: Yeah, we've talked about Colby Cox. We talked about him um, in the in the show how well he did last week, and then followed up this week with a big win over Rova. Um, again, in terms of maybe importance, Luke rewards right. Stark County yeah. is so, is so vastly better than they were last year. We we expected Knoxville to be good. We expected Mercer County Mercer County to be good. Um, so I, I think. That's where I would give Luke Rewards the edge here, just because Stark County as a team is playing so much better.
0: Yeah. For me, I think the name that stands out is Bo Honeycutt because he's a quarterback for Knoxville. And I think in years past, we've always looked at the ground game for Knoxville and how much they're getting the job done on the ground. This year, they've really opened up the passing, and it's Honeycutt leading the way. And they're, they're still looking impressive outside of this non-conference loss to Dupec. They're still getting the job done through the air. So I, that's what makes Bo Honeycutt stand out. I think Zeb Rashid, outside of being slowed down by Marquette, a team that I think has a pretty good defense, he's put up some big numbers. I think, yeah. um, you know, had a handful of touchdowns in, in in the rest of his games. And, man, Colby Cox, I mean, in Mercer County, he's did the, the one week, last, a couple weeks ago, 350 yards. He can nicely. do it. He's such a dual threat guy he could do it, you know, through the air and on the ground that that's been really impressive for the golden Eagles leading them to the success they've had so far. So I just think, you know, it it all depends on how season, how season plays out for, for any of these conferences. So
1: we, we could be, we could be talking about different players by the end of the year, right? Probably, probably not, but just, you know, there's a lot of game left. There's, there's a lot of season left, um, a lot of good performances to, to be, to be uh, out there. So, yeah, nice list so far. Again, four really good choices here, and uh, looking forward to seeing who gets the actual, you know, uh, quote unquote award at the end of the year because uh, it'll be a tight
0: race. Yep. Well, for NUIC, uh, we had to consult, of course, Kyle Campmeyer yep. from NUICFootball.com. We kind of were on eh, on pace with him. We kind of had about yep. the same names: AJ Mulcahy from Dupec, the running back; Johnny Cobbler from Foreston. Gage Dunker from Lena Winslow and Braden Dykstra from Fulton right now the list here the votes kind of follow suit with the standings you have Gage Dunker from Lena Winslow with 45 percent of the vote you have Brayden Dykstra at 26 percent of the vote and you have AJ Mulcahy just behind him at 25 percent of the vote so I think you gotta start with either mulcahy or gauge dunker dunker because lena winslow has played so well but mulcahy because i think he was the guy that they knew they had coming back when they lost a lot of other pieces and he's really continued to play well he's really led them yeah i think he might lead the conference in tackles too i think impressive
1: yeah yeah so um for for me, I think it would come down to Mulcahy or Dunker. Um again, Dunker maybe has I don't want to say yards taken away from him, but they have that supporting cast that's just so good in Lee Win. And again, they they're up so you know, they're up so uh up so high so early in, in most yeah. of their games that you know carries are kind of be distributed a little bit more. But um we talk about Mulcahy, Dupac having a great year he's having a great season that they, they put him in the wildcat. You know, I I think it was the West Carroll game that he was running wildcat and really running wild. So <laughs> I
0: was uh, going to I was going to use that exact same phrase you got. There you
1: go. um, but then add in what he does on defense. He had a, a clutch interception here this week against Knoxville. So um, I, I like his tape. I, I always like seeing his highlights. He's a very good athlete. So yep. Uh, again, if I, if I had to vote, which I didn't, I would probably be Mulcahy. Um, but uh, again, Dunker, probably a really really close second yep who was well,
0: who was leading the vote it's uh dunker leading the vote right dunker. now okay, 45 right. Yep. percent of the vote yep. okay yeah So and a great choice no doubt about it yep well in terms of eight-man football it's a lot as you'd expect it's several names from the NUIC but the guy leading the way from west central Caden yeah. Drost He's yeah. leading the way right now with 43% of the vote. We also have Connor Nye from Milledgeville as quarterback, Brennan Blaine, a wide receiver from Amboy, and Brock Soltow from Polo at running back. But Caden Drost has 43% of the vote, followed by Connor Nye at 21, 24% and Brennan Blaine at 21%. So yeah. you got Drost is leading the way. He did great work last year for the Heat. He's right back there again this year. So. In our eight-man ranks that are kind of controlled by the Northwest Upstate Illini, he's really bu- breaking the trend, and West Central's really made a name for themselves again this year after they had been kind of climbing up the last few years. So,
1: yeah, and shout out to Dros too because I think he only has one tweet on his Twitter profile, and it was the retweet of this poll. So,
0: oh, perfect, there we go, perfect execution there. Yeah, <laughs> awesome. Well, we thank him for that and for spreading the word. Thanks to everyone who participated. If you're hearing about this poll and this vote for the first time, the polls are still open for another day. I think they close on Wednesday. So if you're hearing this, get out and vote for the player that you think is most deserving for, uh, you know, that front runner spot. And like we said, Mitch, it'll be interesting to see how things play out. Still plenty to be decided on the field for teams where they're going, but also for the players that are going to lead the way in their conferences to be player of the year. So. Well, all right, Mitch, I think we've talked enough. The talking is through for another week. Mitch, what do you think about, uh, you know, maybe uh, joining me for the instant reacts on Friday night? Yeah, we, we kind of talked about this and I think that we can
1: make that happen. We, we did it last year. I think it was week nine. With, week nine, with, yes. With how crazy everything was, we scrambled and put that together <laughs> just because it was, it, there was a lot of unexpected things that went down that week. Um, but yeah, you'll, you'll be, uh, you'll be shooting a different game this week and, um, won't be able to, uh, be at the be at score headquarters. So yeah, we can, we can do that.
0: Yeah. So I, I will not probably be making it to WQAD. I'll still be shooting football, but I'll end up at home. So I thought, well, it's a perfect night to bring you in. So I think, I think Mitch, for as much as I love getting back to WQAD and doing the instant reacts, I think sometimes you kind of get antsy to want to talk about things that you've been seeing on Twitter. So yeah. We'll let you in on the fun this week. Maybe we maybe we could even reach out to either Kyle Kampmeyer, see if he wants to join, yeah. or we could loop in the guys from WQAD or all kinds of fun special guests along the way. We'll just see what uh we'll see what you never know, Mitch. You never know what's going to happen right. on the instant reacts.
1: Yeah, that's that's perfect. We we keep it un, unscripted <laughs> and we'll have no edits and we'll just go through it on Friday night. That'll be that'll be perfect.
0: That's that's exactly right. Well, thank you to everyone who listens, who follows along. We really appreciate it. To anyone who loves what we do, feel free to spread the word, retweet our stuff on Twitter, talk about us, let people know that we're giving high school football coverage for the teams in the area that you care about. I know a lot of people get frustrated with newspaper coverage or maybe some lack thereof. I know a lot of newspapers are struggling right now, but we're trying to fill in the gaps and we're trying to talk high school football for the area that you care about. So please spread the word. Let people know that we're here every week to do this podcast plus the Instant Reacts.
1: Yeah, and on our Twitter account, you know, we will retweet um, other media members' scores or or stories and things like that. So we always appreciate when our listeners can, you know, support those guys' work, too, because they're putting in the the long, hard hours. Um, And also a quick quick shout-out to a couple of of Twitter users, um, not naming anyone specific because it changes from week to week. But if we're looking for scores, there's always someone out there who is either at the game, who follows us. Um, if we can't find, I think, I think Stark County was a game this week. I think Princeville was another one that I couldn't find a score for, couldn't get an update for, but you you send a tweet asking for it and you've got it. So, um, shout shout out to our followers and our listeners who, uh, help with those scores. Again, it it goes a long way, helps us a lot. So, uh, again, thank you to everyone who who follows along on, on Friday nights.
0: And I do want to clarify that when I say that people are frustrated with newspaper coverage or lack thereof. I, I do me, I do me no discredit to any of our local reporters. I think the problem comes at much higher levels of yeah, decision right. makers in in offices that maybe aren't even located in this area. I think They're the not. management groups, unfortunately, that control newspapers sometimes miss the mark and don't always understand the value of local high school coverage. And that's where I give huge amounts of credit to the newspaper reporters who are doing the job the best they can. There's such limited resources these days that I truly value those guys because a lot of their work goes underappreciated because they're trying to be 10 places at one time. And there's only so much they can do. And I know a lot of them personally that are really trying their best to continue coverage that we've all been used to over the years. And it's so hard to keep it up. So honestly that's kind of where we want to fill in the gap so i i give huge credit to them and we rely on them for a lot we pay for newspaper subscriptions for that very reason because they you know they follow along and and keep people updated so anyway just wanted to clarify that that you know we we hope to be part of the voice but know that our newspaper reporters are doing great work and doing the best they can to cover the area so
1: yep well said
0: all right mitch well we will uh We'll join us. Uh, you'll join us again on Friday. We'll be back in. Yep. We'll, in we'll react instantly. And then Perfect. we'll uh, meet up again next Tuesday.
1: Yeah, a lot, of, a lot of good games that we'll talk about in real time and then uh, do a little bit of a deeper dive a couple days later. So looking forward to it.
0: That'll do it for this week's episode of View from the West. Thank you so much for listening. I encourage you to go out to Apple Podcasts or Podbean and subscribe so you can follow along and downloads will come automatically every week. You can follow along on Twitter at View From West Pod. You can also email me if you're interested in being a sponsor, viewfromwestpod at gmail.com. Thanks so much. We'll see you next week.